0: Welcome to another episode of the Special Education Technology Center's podcast called On Wonder and our series two is all about leaders and change makers so we're really excited to have our special guest today but before we get to Caroline um, we'll introduce ourselves and then let her introduce um, herself and although most of you are going to really recognize this amazing person but Um, you can hear more from her.
1: So I'm Sarah Kinsella. And I'm Brenda Del Monte. And Caroline, why don't you just, just for the one person who's lived (laughs) under a rock for the last 50 (laughs) years, tell them who you are.
2: Well, so I haven't actually prepared this, but I have been working in this field um, with with people who use AAC since the mid seventies. So we're, we've passed 45 years and I'm wow. I'm really passionate about. It. I've been really lucky to work in schools and hospital clinics and uh, Head Start and universities and private practice and and lots and lots and lots of work with families in their homes also. So I've and I, the other thing I think has been really fun for me is that I've gotten to work with people sometimes for maybe not constantly but intermittently for decades. So I have people I've worked with who were, you know, five or six the first time I met them and now in their thirties. And so that's, I just feel like there's an enormous amount of, I don't know if I'd call it institutional knowledge, but just that that long-term seeing and also seeing how sometimes People don't make enormous progress for a while, and then something changed in their in their life, and things just really pick up, and they move way, way forward. and And just the idea that it's never too late. I think you know, being doing this for so long has given me just a really cool perspective on on you know the fact that change is possible always and forever. Um, so,
0: love what that. an intro! Yeah, that, that <laughs> And yeah, so neat. What a neat perspective that you have to see people along the continuum of their lifespan. When you began, what what is your background? What training?
2: So you- I have a uh, undergraduate in English, which helps because I write a lot of books and I, I just love you know literature, uh, and which has helped me with with everything. Being a writer helped me with grant writing and everything. And right. then. But while I was an undergraduate, I knew I wanted to be a speech pathologist. And so there wasn't an undergraduate p- program at UNC Chapel Hill. So I took lots of classes that got me ahead in the master's program, and I got my master's. And then we moved to West Virginia, and I was able to, I was. Uh, working as a clinical supervisor, and then um, got a wonderful grant, the West Virginia Foundation Fellowship, uh, to get my doctorate from in speech oh. language pathology. But have a minor in special ed for students with. At that point, we talked about severe, profound, but with mm-hmm. individuals with with really complex challenges, and so that was in the seventies, in the late seventies, early eighties. So oh, that's okay.
0: Important. Wow. Okay. Well, and I have to ask. So you were in undergrad studying English. You knew you said you knew you wanted to be a speech and language pathologist. How did you know
2: what what was it? So, well, when I as a as a child, as a young person, I did volunteer work with people with disabilities probably because my dad was totally blinded during World War II. Oh. Um, uh he was in Burma and wonderful article about him. He made the cover of the Saturday Evening Post and an article about about his blindness and how he'd gone on hmm. to go um, to to graduate uh, summa cum laude from Bowdoin and then go to uh, law school, and so I had this this vision of disability not stopping everything from my mm-hmm. home. And mm-hmm. so I did a lot of volunteering, you know, tutoring with people with disabilities in high school. And then when I went to college, my freshman year, I volunteered at a uh, Murdoch center, which was a center for individuals with with significant, uh, a residential center uh, with a significant intellectual impairment. Okay. okay. Uh, wow. I was the only person to ever come back for the second year. So yeah. there may be care of the volunteers because it's like, <laughs> Oh, you're back. <laughs> that never happens. And put me on the most challenging area. And so I'm working with a young woman who had sp- uh, spina bifida. She was blind blinded because of her spina bifida. She had one limb that was working and she was fabulous personality, really fun. But this is what what made me... She was she a was, she was talker. She was like really lovely conversationalist. But every time I would go visit her, she'd say, hey, can we take Linda with us? Well, this is... You can't even imagine how tough things were. This was in 1970. And mm-hmm. so she always wanted me to take Linda with her. Linda didn't even have a wheelchair. She was one of the, Cheryl was one of the really lucky ones that had a wheelchair. But her mm. friend Linda didn't have a wheelchair. And so she's some wonderful person who was um, um mechanic or, you know, the, the person who fixed stuff at the center. had MacGyver. made. A wheelchair. Exactly. MacGyver had made her. So he'd taken a four by four plywood board and he'd put a sling chair on the back of it and then mm. put casters on it and so she could get up and be pushed around but it was really really hard to push her around you can imagine i mean we're talking about casters that are right. all going different directions and every time i got there cheryl said okay let's go to the sunroom because that's the only place she could have she could feel the sunshine on her face it was really mm. important." And it was, you know, with I just push Cheryl's a five minute walk, but if I'm pushing Cheryl and pulling and tugging Linda's, it took a really long time Mm -hmm. and I didn't get it. And remember, I'm like 19 and I just thought, why does she want to take Linda every time? I mean, what a horrible person I was, but I guess this is just 19 year olds, right? Mm -hmm. Very self-absorbed. And, um, you know, this is taking me get much harder. And then one time I got there and Linda was sobbing. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, what's wrong with Linda? Because I hadn't seen Linda show any kind of communication because mm-hmm. I was young and naive. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl said, oh, Marcus died. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And right then I'm like, oh, she gets it that Marcus. And I'm saying, is Marcus someone another order? She's like, no, on one life to live. Okay, so now there's another layer. Right. You've learned that someone died. She's upset that someone died on a sitcom. I mean a you know a soap opera. Yeah, Yeah, soap opera. Mm -hmm. But then, then I started thinking and I thought, wait a minute, they're in this ginormous ward. They're so far apart. Linda doesn't talk at all. Cheryl doesn't see. How does Cheryl know? about linda how did they become friends and right. so i asked cheryl and she said oh well um i love to watch one life to live and so does linda but the staff watched days of our lives and so linda can tell time and i can't see the clock so when it's 2 30 she starts to vocalize to tell them to turn it and if they don't, I say, you know, until you still until she turn it, she's not gonna stop. And I told her like be really loud. And so she gets really loud. So I oh, worked out this brilliant plan. And now I have to realize all the unbelievable potential that I had not presumed. Mm-hmm. What an incredible life lesson. Wow. But it made me, but, and I want, I want to tell you the story that, and then I set up a communication system for Linda and it was amazing, but I didn't know anything about communications. Oh, yeah. I just knew that I wanted to do something and, mm-hmm. then, and then Linda died. And so I never got a chance to, to help her find her voice. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to go into speech therapy and see if I could be the person who can make that difference and make that change. And wow. So, Wow. I'm sorry. That was a really long story, but it's no, just, that, but, it, but it, that's, that's my why. Well, Rain. that's
0: what, that's exactly what, what we want to hear about. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. And what an,
2: what an amazing partnership they had. So, and, isn't it a, it's such a rich and amazing. I mean, I feel like I made it up, but I promise I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool.
1: That is cool. Well, well and just to you know, show that those um, those with limitation in any area, they recognize the strengths in others,
2: right? So, yes. yeah, yeah, wow. Yes. And See, I was so appalled that I had done the same thing that had bothered me with my dad. There's this generalization of disability. Mm-hmm. we go out to eat and people would turn to my mom and say, what does he want? And she's like, I don't have a clue. You're going to have to ask him. Mm-hmm. And they just assumed that because he's blind, he doesn't talk. He doesn't understand. And then mm-hmm. that was that, just that, oh my gosh, hit your head against the wall moment for me thinking, mm-hmm. I did that to Linda.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
2: it was a huge Uh, it was just a huge life shifting event that, that, uh, you know, a paradigm shift that I I have tried really hard and I'm not saying I've always been successful, but it has made me know that we've got to stop um, making assumptions Mm -hmm. and we've we've got to do a better job. And I of course didn't know the name for that, a presuming potential, uh, which I prefer over presumed competence, because I feel like when we say presumed competence, then we get pushback. Like, yes, well, I did a test and she can't do that. So we can't presume that she's competent. Mm
1: -hmm. But if we
2: presume potential, Mm -hmm. we don't know. And I can't I find that in any one classroom, for example, if I presume potential in every single student, by the end of that year, I may not see growth that's really significant in every single student, but I will see growth in multiple students that, and sometimes people that I wouldn't have expected, which mm-hmm. I think is really, really helpful for teachers and therapists and parents to say, we can't make that guess on who is going to make pretty rapid success. But mm-hmm. if we presume right. potential for everyone, we're going to be surprised by some of your students and mm-hmm. in, in a really happy way. I right. think
1: presuming potential um, keeps people problem solving, p- keeps people yeah. creative, keeps people thinking outside the box. Um, I do think um, presume competence. I understand why all that has taken off and there's, there's a space for that. But it does. It just because they're competent doesn't it means that they have potential for the next step. I mean, every competency leads to the next yes. step, which they're not yes. yet competent at because they haven't learned it yet. So that potential that's, piece is, is That's such a great,
2: uh, great way to explain it. I really like that, and I agree a thousand percent.
1: Yeah. So I am just interested to find out um, what are some guiding principles that have stayed regardless of all the advancement in technology? And I'm asking that because, I mean, you have the advancement in technology. You know, we're talking rotary phone at best,
2: you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I started, I mean, I remember seeing Rick Creech present in 1970. I think it was. And just, and he's using a device with a head stick and he's putting in three digit codes and he has about 150 or being Rick Creech, he probably had 500, but a bunch of codes he had in his head Mm -hmm. that would give out um, sentences or words and just an amazing talk. And so I think presuming potential is the the one that has never changed that has nothing to do with technology. So that's mm-hmm. one of them. Um, I also, I, I've I've kind of named it recently, but I think I've always believed it. And that's sort of the three E's of instruction that I talk about, and that it needs to be effective. I mean, the first thing, you know, I don't care how much fun it is if you're not mm-hmm. using you know hope, try Let's try evidence based practice sometimes we know things that aren't yet evidence based and we mm, may make right. them evidence based but you know being authentic that we our goals are authentic i mean i just i just have seen so much you know uh, so many times students doing things that are so inauthentic and they're mm-hmm. not bought in because it's ridiculous it's stupid and they mm-hmm. know it and mm-hmm. I, I also um another real major principle to me is not talking down to students and i know that's really obvious but you know, it's 2023 and I still see it happening. It's, it's mind-boggling. And I'm telling you, kids are so smart that if I, particularly some of the students that I work with who have uh, Angelman syndrome and Rett syndrome, Mm -hmm. they will not tolerate that. They have, really high, I'm trying to think of a better word. I'm trying to use not a, a polite word, uh, baloney meter. They have such a powerful baloney meter. And mm-hmm. if you're having to do something stupid or if you're talking down to them, they're not they're happy. Done. And they, yeah. and, but, but it's to their detriment because what happens is people think they can't. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that they're like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. It's because it's really stupid. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I did it for you yesterday and the day before and the day before. And if you haven't learned your colors by now, you know, maybe you need glasses. So right. they're just not going to accept right. that. So that's one. So that's the effective um, and being also including authentic, um, efficient, because I see sometimes we just don't have a lot of time to, uh, there's so much to learn and so little time. So I really want to figure out how we can be efficient. And that doesn't mean rushing people it just means not wasting time like Mm -hmm. Mm always having great activities for that sponge time when you plan something that fell through or you have an activity you're going to do and oh you know the internet's not is not playing nicely Mm -hmm. I mean there's always right problems that come up and so having those sponge activities (laughs) I think is another example of efficiency Mm -hmm. but then the third one is engagement and I just you know there's Almost everything we do can be more engaging and if, at, but not at the cost of something real, like we are doing something that matters. Right. It's authentic. Um, we are not wasting a lot of time in whatever we're doing to make it fun. It's not like, you know, Oh, let's spend 30 minutes on something we could have taught in three. That's, right. that's not what I'm saying. Just saying, how can we take something that's effective and efficient and now add in that, you know, that fun factor. So. Mm-hmm. And
1: what I love about that is that one of your E words is not entertainment.
2: No, no, no. You exactly. know what I'm
1: saying? Because oh, there, totally is, there is like literacy entertainment that actually isn't instructional. Absolutely. It's the difference between, yeah. The, the difference between entertainment and um, actual learning is that it's engagement. If Entertainment is passive. Right. And engaging is not passive. I can't think of the it is, word.
2: It's that interaction piece. That's exactly <laughs> that, right. Yeah.
1: That, active. That, active. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Engagement is yes. active yes. and entertainment yes. is passive. And so if you, if it looks like everyone's sitting around doing nothing, it's entertainment.
2: Right. Exactly. If,
1: you know, if, if, if yep. there's participation, if there's engagement, if, if people are you know, even if they're mad, they're engaged right? right. People have right. feelings, thoughts, and emotions about what's happening. It's active. And that's yes. when learning's
2: happening, right? And you, you had another one you did about, um, the buy-in, uh, the teacher, uh, April really talked about that very eloquently. So I'm just, uh, putting a little shout out to oh. another of the, sh- of the, uh, awe and wonder podcasts. Oh, that How was nice. from the
1: last series. I, I, a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, oh. yeah oh.
0: April White camp. How nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, those, those three are certainly, yeah, those are
2: here to stay, right? I hope so. I I don't think, I don't, they are, they're not um, technology dependent. I mean, I I just, I can't tell you how uh, AAC devices and computers have changed. I mean, in 1982, we got one of the early Apple IIe computers and we were able to take the lid off and put a, a, an EEPROM card and burn um burn chips to put into the Wolf device so that instead of having um you know 36 pages, you now had hundreds of pages of and and is that was that the very best way to do it? No, we ha- we have better ways now, but my point is, you know, we went from that to digital speech where kids now had had 32 seconds of speech. It's just like um So a lot of times we see things that kind of are backups for a while and then Mm -hmm. later got better. But what we gave up, it sort of, it felt like to me, like um, the little mermaid who gave up her voice for a good pair of legs. (laughs) Uh I feel like we gave up a lot along the way. And so we need to figure out how when we make those steps forward that Mm -hmm. we're really careful not to make, we we can't go back to go forward.
1: We have to figure out how to
2: go forward and take what we already had and integrate it. Right. Give an and example about that,
0: that. I want what an example. example about that. Yeah. So the
2: example was the was the Wolf communication device had that had ac- ability to have literally thousands and thousands of words. Okay. And then we had digitized speech device which theoretically could have thirty two times four words. Or phrases, but you actually didn't have enough memory to do that. Mm. So that's a great example. But I also see, um, so we uh we lost the IntelliTools keyboard, which right. was life-changing. It was. Yes, a
0: lot of sadness.
2: So Customize amazing tools. And yeah. also the PowerPad that you guys probably don't know because once it only worked with the Apple IIe and 2GS, and once they were gone, it stopped working. But we don't have an interactive board that I mean, I get that we have smart boards, but that's it's just not the same at all. They're not, not set up for our students with the most complex challenges right. where we can move things around. They're just they're just not as powerful. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. But one more example, PowerPoint to Google Slides, um, PowerPoint for our students who have multiple challenges has the animations are so powerful that mm-hmm. we can really make a difference to our students with cortical visual impairment. Mm-hmm. Our students who have problems with engagement, we can be a lot more interactive mm-hmm. with uh, PowerPoint than we can be with Google Slides.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's which is, and I'd probably have 10 more, but those but are. I just guess
1: a- what you're saying yeah. is like, um, cause I was, cause you know, you can kind of get attention deficit disorder, squirrel, you know, you can kind of get where the new, the new right. app comes out, the new thing comes out mm-hmm. and it, and it finally has some feature you wanted and then you, but you're missing that. And it, but it doesn't have right. all this other stuff. And so it's, it's, it's right. like, Ooh, is it worth losing that much vocabulary for that one feature? Is it like, right. What's the right. off on that? And also, Don't put all your eggs in that basket, because when that stops being made, when when the technology changes, when the iOS is updated and that app stops working because that's not being supported or whatever. Don't throw away your low tech. Don't throw away your low tech. I mean, and I think that um, people coming into the field right now are super dependent on high tech in all of our in all areas of life. And we yes. sound like old ladies by saying, don't give up low tech. But yeah. the yeah. reality is, is that in a, sometimes low tech is better, easier, and and the most efficient way to communicate uh, or to express, especially literacy
2: stuff. Absolutely. And I also think just saying um, that it, it, I think there's a sense of we have to have high tech, but don't worry. And I actually use the term light tech because I hate the term low functioning. It just makes mm-hmm. me so angry when I hear somebody say someone's low. And mm-hmm. I feel like that word low tech has equated to, mm-hmm. oh, well, the people with intellectual challenges only deserve a lot. So I use the word light tech. Right. And I feel like I know that um, Linda Burkhart talks about how important it is that everybody needs light tech and high tech is really desirable if that, if that works out, but that we have to have light tech because there's so many times, you know, how many times have we had the batteries die or the device is not working or, or we are, you know, we were going to the beach or, you know, it's good luck in the bathtub or in the pool. I I just look at families who've gotten, uh, I, I have one of my Pinterest boards that I haven't done a good job keeping up with, but it's AAC all day long. Just showing families who have light tech boards, you know, like, uh, inside the shower, but it's on the outside and inside, so they can can use mm-hmm. it. Um, and oh, you know, yeah. on, on a on a paddle board, so we can take mm-hmm. control and just on the bicycle. We've you know they've added it, and just all these kinds of of mm-hmm. really creative things that families are doing to make sure that their students have their voices with them twenty four seven. That they mm-hmm. really have it. Right. I I remember um, a family who, and this is a long time ago, and we we would do it differently now, but they actually got a slide projector and had stories that we'd taken slides um, of different stories. And then the little girl could lie and they had a mirror and a reflector from the slide projector. So the slides on the ceiling, I actually have a tip about it. And the little girl could watch her favorite book, could read her favorite book by just hitting, I think her she did this with her hand because mm. which was behind her when she's lying in bed and isn't very good. you know, which yeah. she's she can do all kinds of things in the wheelchair, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. but she's positioned perfectly perfectly with the lap tray, but without it, she couldn't read in bed, and right. her, her siblings could read in bed, and mm-hmm. so they did that so she right. could read in bed. And the the smile on her face when she's doing it, it's like, yes, I can read in bed now too.
0: Right. Yes.
2: It's, sometimes it's simple tech. It's not necessarily right. it's light tech, simple tech, high tech. And I love high tech. It's wonderful mm-hmm. too. But one of the things I'm doing is this is my old iPad, and I have another iPad in a box. It's ready. Because I know there's an app that I now want to get. I, I just love um, the new uh, version of Proloquo that Aaron Sheldon did. And I went out and bought the iPads because it won't work on my old iPad. Mm-hmm. But I'm keeping this puppy because there's a lot of things I use that are incredibly um engaging and interactive that do not work so that's right, the right. other thing is you don't have to throw away all sometimes you can keep right. the old technology and the new and you don't have to make a, a choice right right and Chris Bouguet says love the uh love the oh gosh one qualities yeah, uh yeah. you know don't get don't get stuck mm-hmm. on the app get stuck you know think about what are the, the what are the, the features that's the word I was looking for right. love the features don't just fall in love with the app Right, which right. is hard because I do say R. I. P. Magic toilet. I'm sorry, but the magic <laughs> toilet, where you ask a question and the answer flushes flushes up. Oh, I don't like know that one. It was it was like the best, most engaged. and talk about engaging. But you had to actually ask a question using your device before you got to hit oh. the magic toilet. Okay, so. well,
0: any any app developers out there listening? Yes, please bring you back do that magic toilet. Magic That's toilet. right. Well, you know, another thing about the, um, the light tech, like you were saying is it's also part of, you know, student, their, their, um, sense of self and making choices, right. That they get to choose if they're doing light tech, high tech. Um, and, and then you made me think too, that it's, um, part of it is creativity. We have to be so creative, um, like our students are creative, like Linda and, um, what was her name? Um, uh, woman. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: creative right? yeah. 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 And that. I think that, I think that, um, I think that with you know, with things like higher caseloads, more paperwork, um, just that creativity has, has, um, lost something. And I, that's one of the things that I want to bring back, and I'm actually going to put that into my last answer. How can we, how can we help each other be more creative? Because mm, I right. think that you know we. Um, so Brenda and I did a session at Closing the Gap called Unleashing Your Creativity. And it was just so much more, so much fun to think about it and think yeah. about how do we want to do it. And it was really well attended. It was at the end when everybody's tired; they want to be at the exhibit hall, but people really want to unleash their creativity. So mm. we need to figure out more ways to help help that happen.
1: Mm-hmm. But I want yeah. let, to let's talk about that for a minute, because when I met you, um, you said um, for everybody out there, I was I was actually just teaching something and Carolyn Musselwhite sits in the back. So, I mean, if that doesn't make you forget everything you were supposed to say, I don't know what does. But anyways, <laughs> at the end, we talked and she said, oh, I'd like to, you know, team with you and her for her response. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life, Caroline you said, well, what's hard, what's hard for you. And I love that when I think about, as we think about leaders and change makers and mentorship and coaching and all these potential models of how to do things, what if it's almost that simple as say, as as somebody is struggling and you say, what's, what's hard for you right now? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, I want to, I, what it made me do is I had to tell you what I thought was hard And then it made me, because I'm verbalizing what I know is hard for me, I'm now invested. I'm now invested in getting better at that, in listening to what you have to say. If you come as a professional and you're talking, even if it's answering my question, if I hadn't had to think about what is hard for me and say it out loud and identify it, uh, you know, basically I'm Brenda Del Monte and I have a problem. I mean, like you have to like,
2: <laughs> I, right? Like, right. let's start it. Start with it's a little vulnerable, yeah. but it's also saying what's hard for you, that, but you identified something that was hard for you that you really wanted. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, paperwork's so hard. It's such a pain. You identified something that you wanted to, to learn and get better at and master and and grow in, et cetera. Right. So that- what I,
1: yeah, what I said was, you know, I want, I want transfer of skill. So I'll give an example and they're using my example, but they're not applying it to the next book. Like I was doing literacy stuff. So I would- No
2: generalization. Yeah. No
1: generalization. And then you said, well, that actually requires creativity. So again, like your experience is like, yeah, I know that that's gen- not generalization, but but when I think about how I've, you know, how I've guided and coached a, adult learning, you know, adult learners through your career, it's because they, they're they not free to be creative and try it a different way. And we, we've, we've not given that permission. So I, it's funny because I think I might have said this to you. I don't consider myself particularly creative because I think of creative as being artistic and things like that. But um when it comes to problem solving, I read it, I read a di- I read a definition of creativity and it was it was problem solving. I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'm in. Now I guess I'm creative. Right. right? And,
2: and so- that's and you introduced our talk that way. And that was I I hadn't really thought about it that way. And I think that's gonna help me as a literacy coach thinking about it as creativity is problem solving. And I find that that. So one of the things I've done, for example, is to when I'm doing uh, coaching, is say is sharing the bright spots. So mm. having people just showing some, something one teacher's done and say, Oh, we, this is so great. I saw this in Miss Jackson's room it was amazing. And then we show that. And then other people are like, Oh, I'd like her to show something I've done. And so mm. they end up getting more creative and just, uh, that it's one of the ways that we can make real change. There's this wonderful book about change called switch, how to make change okay. when change is hard. It's by chipping down Heath. And I just love mm-hmm. it. And, uh, and that's one of their three things is to um, well they, they have three things that are are you know the growing the 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 kind of the left side of your brain and the writer the and then the elephant smoothing the path. But one of the ways they've grown things is by identifying what's already working, what's mm-hmm. working, and what's working in a place where it's not working for everybody. But Mm -hmm. it's working really well for this one teacher. And so I think that's just a really good way for us to think is to identify, you know, every, but so all the teachers, everybody was doing something that I could share Mm -hmm. with. It might've been a teacher that wasn't having enormous success, but -hmm. they were doing one thing that just really, really Mm -hmm. worked. And Mm -hmm. when I shared it, then that teacher, the next time I came in the classroom, was much more willing and much more open and generally had tried to think of something else creative, you know, nice. we we like praise and I think it matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, we mm-hmm. all, you know, want to feel that we're doing something that makes it, that's worth sharing with somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. right. My family grew up doing this thing called, um, um, Oh, what did we? I can't remember what we called it, but uh, it was the idea that I will tell you something somebody else said nice about you. And that, mm-hmm. but you have to tell me something nice that somebody said about me first. And so basically, we're playing that game where I'm saying something nice about you, but I'm saying it to other people. So that means it's really true, right? Mm-hmm. If oh, I just face okay. you to your face that's one level but if I say something complimentary to a whole group then that means I really believe it deeply and it's a much higher level of praise and mm-hmm. so I trade last that's what we call because I will trade last my kind my compliment for your compliment. And so it really made us listen to nice things people had said about other people. And it was just a really fun thing to do as a kid growing up. But I, so I I never realized till right now that that's why I started doing that Mm -hmm. complimenting is remembering how good it felt as a kid Mm -hmm. and wanting to, you know, to share that with, with adult learners who don't get. A lot of positive strokes. I mean, classroom teachers in special ed, you know, classroom teachers, I can stop there, uh, just don't often get. And I have a daughter and a husband, and my son used to be an elementary school teacher. My husband just retired. After 15 years, my daughter is working really hard um, uh, in New York and the uh, New York area, um, just making a difference every day. And I'm sure not getting that. Those kudos every day. Right. So we can do that, but in a way that'll make change grow. It isn't just about saying something nice. Right. It's about saying something nice to make the next bit of change happen. I right. Think that's the secret. Mm-hmm. And
0: that it's, it's genuine that way. It's, and it's really genuine. genuine. It has to be genuine.
2: Mm-hmm. If it's mm-hmm. not genuine, don't bother. Yeah. Right. But you always find something. I, I've never been in a classroom where I couldn't find one thing to, to, um, share awesome. with other people and, and, right. and ha- hold up.
1: Mm. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah. It makes yeah. you, it makes you think when I walk in this room, pay attention to what I can um, make a positive comment about mm-hmm. because maybe we're, maybe you're invited, maybe we're invited because they're having a problem because they need feedback because they, be, and that's going to be perceived as criticism or that's going to be Maybe um feel judgmental, Again. so it's like you walk in with the intent of paying
2: attention to what they're already doing well yep that At, that, that that's that growing their bright spot, their own bright mm-hmm. spot they can grow in their classroom as well as growing it across the district when you share it with other people. Mm-hmm. but um I I also would um, send emails to the special ed director when people did particularly good things. I would take screenshots and send them just like a really fast thing. And this particular special ed director, zero times did she neglect to write back and, and give mm. heap the praise on and show the administrative support. And I and she's so crazy busy. And yet she mm. always, always found the time to respond to those emails and reach out to that teacher. Wonderful. And tell them how impressed she was. And I think that that's huge. Again, getting yeah. that administrative. We always talk about top down, bottom up, right? That that's where change happens when mm-hmm. we grow it from the teachers and th- and yeah. therapists, but we also grow it from the administration down and that we got to figure out ways to do a better job of that.
0: Yeah. I love that. My, I have a happy file. My mom taught me, she was an educator as well. And she said, when you start your first day at work, you know, if there's anything that happens from now until forever, put it in a little file, whether it's a card from a kid or something someone said. And I have that. And I
2: hope, yeah, it's important. I, I did that with my children, but I haven't done that with my, with work. I mean, I do take lots of screenshots and try to save them, but I mm-hmm. love the happy file idea. That's brilliant. That's so great.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. So were you always... Were you ever afraid of the technology as it advanced? Were you ever because I were you ever
2: like you know what I'm on my way out. I don't need to learn this. Um, I I would say not afraid, but sometimes overwhelmed. And I feel like I am not. I am not a a cutting edge first adopter. I kind of wait a little bit and then i adopted I me mean, like i did not have the iphone 1 okay i like waited and got, and right now i have a very old one too so i'm not i don't have to have the latest and greatest but i am also a seeker mine is very student um classroom family related, what will Mm -hmm. make a difference in their lives. And Mm -hmm. so I seek out things for that purpose, but I also try to collaborate with friends who are early adopters Mm -hmm. and tell me, Oh, Caroline, you need to check this out. So Lauren Enders has been wonderful about just sending me links to apps that she knows I'm going to love and use creatively. Mm -hmm. And, and Laurel Buell, uh, does the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so uh, just doing that type of thing has been uh, really, really helpful having friends. And Deanna Wagner has has been my technology buddy. So those three people are really, um, I am actually, I am a, um early adopter for apps, but not for other stuff. And so it really helps to have friends who are. So I'm not scared, but I, I just sometimes get a little overwhelmed.
0: Well, and you yeah. don't need to have help. it all, know it all. All the time, right. right? It's nice to know who has that. and Exactly. I mean, we've got,
2: just for example, I'm uh, working on AAC in the desert, and I thought, you know what? I don't want to do registration. I don't want to learn to do it. I know I could, that's just I don't have the time. And so mm-hmm. I said, wonderful friends who have jumped in and I've done it with them. So they are teaching me to fish, but I don't have to fish tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I can have, they're going to serve me up some really good fresh caught fish and I'm going to love it. It's going to be delicious. And I will learn. I am learning to fish. And so if I had to do it in the future, maybe I could, but that's just a perfect example of, you know, doing Google forms because it's going to be very complex because it's going to be, are you a parent? Because there's a special rate. Are you group of five? Are you, Mm -hmm. you know, are you using a purchase order? So it's, it's quite complex. And Mm -hmm. one of my colleagues figured out the trick to do that complexity and make it work without pain. There you go.
1: So yeah. Caroline, I, I want to, I, I know we've talked a little bit privately about this and I want, I want your take on it. You know, I feel like the, as professionals we're getting, we get more and more put on our plate. Oh, now you have to do this. Oh, here's more, more, more paperwork. Oh, we're, we're back. We have, you have a higher caseload. Now you're serving, now you're serving kids online, homebound and at the school. Off you go, your caseload's eighty or whatever. And the work is never done. And so burnout is real. And we do have people burning out, but I know that you have made, I, and I'm sure that you, you bought into that at some point in your career. I know, I don't think anyone's immune to just not doing an 80 hour week at some point, but in, in this little weird world that we're in, but I feel like you've made some intentional, um, decisions around work, um,
2: life balance. What, what do you, what advice do you have for some of us that are bonkers? Okay. The first one is it's not work-life balance. It's life hmm. work balance. When I say life first, it makes me remember that I've got to figure it out. And I'm not saying I I, I wish that I had. You know, what do you want to tell your earlier self? I'm going yeah. to go back to news and tell myself this. Okay, this um, is what I'm so learning. I'm I am now because I work. I, I the, Right now, I'm not doing 70-hour weeks. It just stopped in September. But up until then, I was doing 70-hour work weeks. I'm now trying to cut it back to 40. But even if you're just doing 40, because I'm doing consulting, I have flexibility. So I've decided I'm going to do some of my work on the weekend and take off a day during the week because it's Mm -hmm. so much easier to go out to lunch, to go uh, kayak at the lake, to go on hikes. Nothing's as crowded, right? I want to go to see that wonderful exhibit at the art museum. Oh, Mm -hmm. I could go on a Thursday much easier. Your doctor actually has appointments. (laughs) Right. And so I have scheduled a day that I'm not seeing Uh, any students. I don't have any, I don't have anything scheduled. That's not to say that I don't schedule stuff. Like Mm -hmm. one of my days I'm doing a webinar for a a lovely group in, uh, in Manitoba. And and that's great. But I, but the point is it's not every, every Mm -hmm. week that I have a day off during the week. And then the other thing is I plan my own fun first on the calendar. I learned this about, when we first moved here, I love to ski and I would ski. I, I had a friend who loved to ski and she was available. Her schedule was much more flexible than mine. She could go every week and I couldn't go every week, but I could at least go, you know, once or twice a month.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I would put, I put skiing under my calendar. And this was when you had a calendar that everybody could see. And I put skiing, exclamation point, exclamation point. And then somebody looked at it and went, oh, we could do it that day because you're just skiing. You could do that another day. And of course, I was furious, but I said, yes. And then I thought, oh, I now you, you schedule your own work first and you use the code that nobody knows that that's skiing, <laughs> hiking, kayaking, fill in the blank that you pay, say, meet with MJ and MJ is your skiing buddy. And then nobody <laughs> right. all day. And so or you meeting MJ? And so they just think, oh, maybe that's Madison Jr. And, it's nobody else's business, but scheduling yourself first is another really big big one. Um, And, and also figuring out ways that you do things where you do not talk about work at all, because a lot of times our friends are work people. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
2: we end up talking about work a lot, but just Mm -hmm. finding ways that we don't talk about work much. So I I feel like that's that's You know, and one of the things we do is the first 10 minutes. So I have friends, I've done things like a pedicure and, and kayak. And the first 10 or 15 minutes, we can just get out that work stuff and talk. And then I'm like, okay, work free. And I just like take the shackles off and say, work free. And then if one of my friends starts to talk about work, I'm like work free. I like, okay, when you're paddling, I can't, but I can at least say it. So we have set a, you know, a code to stop because some of us who are really passionate, have mm-hmm. a really hard time stopping it's just not healthy it's mm-hmm. just not healthy. We need to have friendships that are not just about work that, that mm-hmm. are about it's, it's wonderful if you have your your you know work spouse and you do all kinds of wonderful things together with them but I went to um lunch with uh my with Patty and Laurel, and we talked about work. Yeah, it was pretty much Zip nada. but we did play Old mates three times. And we had <laughs> so much fun. There was so much laughing and also just lots of conversation about right. our lives and and things that we love. And mm-hmm. I think that's really important.
0: Mm, that's
2: good advice. That's but it really sounds good advice. Like it. And then one more. My yeah. husband and I started the first year we were married. We started the Saturday night date. And even if we couldn't afford to do anything, we would leave. We would get a babysitter and we would just pay for the babysitter and we'd go out and park, park our car somewhere and take a walk or do something. If we couldn't afford a movie or dinner or anything, we still got the babysitter and just Mm -hmm. spent time by ourselves. And we celebrated 50 years in, in uh, Mm -hmm. August. I think that, that that's that same thing about making time for yourself. So for relationships, it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be yourself. I mean, with your children, that there's one night a week that we I am not going to a meeting no matter what. We're going to have, you know, Friday night is fun, family fun time or whatever. Just mm-hmm. figuring out right. what day that you're going to meet together. All that stuff we know, but don't necessarily do. That's true.
0: It's about prioritizing yep. certain things and really yeah. doing it. I love that. That's. I think
1: we all need that advice, you know, at different times, reminded.
2: Yes. Reminding yeah. ourselves. Yeah.
1: And mm-hmm. I feel like it's also... Um, what what's the theme across all of that is be intentional you know
2: mm-hmm. it is the not you're
1: not gonna just be like next next opening in my schedule I'll get a pedicure you're never gonna do it and by the right. way not, that's not self-care for everybody but I'm mean, you know what I'm saying it's like if you're just waiting exactly. for a cancellation to have me time <laughs> it's right. not it's not gonna happen on the regular enough basis for your mental health you know right right I
2: agree The other thing I do is if I have a cancellation, I get to spend 30 minutes of that for me time because, you know, it's right before I had a cancellation today and I, had an early lunch and got to watch an episode of Young Sheldon. So I oh. just treated myself. I thought, you know, I wouldn't have been working on other stuff then anyway. And then I did spend thirty minutes doing some catch up, but mm-hmm. I gave myself a treat because I was very sad that it was a that it was a cancellation. But then I made myself happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Love that. I love that. I think it's also a really good model for others who are with right. Whether it's your friends right. that are seeing, I'm making time for this. Your own kids, you're making time for yourself is really important for them to see that's right. healthy and that's mm-hmm. really good advice. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, I'm just thinking. That, I feel like we could we have so much more to ask you. I know we <laughs> had know. a couple
2: of questions. I hope you'll ask. Yes. Okay, let's, let's do it. Good. What do hope? What do I we hope we it ask? It was question number four, which was like because I really at, at the, the end, end of really, your career. Yeah, at the end of my career, yeah. what okay. are the things that I feel like have meant the most? And mm-hmm. you know, I really, it, I love that you asked that because it made me really think about it. And I okay. think that um, that I um, I feel like that. Uh, so for me personally, and I won't name the, um, I, I won't, I don't want to be, you know, um, proselytizing or advertising. But I got to be part of a curriculum that's just feels like everything I ever did in my whole life came together in that. And I'm doing it with people I just value so deeply. And I've been so excited about that. But I've also been able to add in you know, some of the, some zip and, and do presentations around it. And that's just been really fun for Mm. me and uh, my advice to other people. So I've already given some about the life work balance, but Mm -hmm. I also do things like a lot of times people say, how do you get to do, you know, presentations and coaching? How do you get to do that? And I I believe that the way to do it is to volunteer, to volunteer to do things like presentations at your at your school district, presentations at your state organization, presentations at national organizations. That's how I got started. So I nobody paid me. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still I do tons of volunteer presentations still, but I think that doing a lot of volunteering makes a difference. We volunteered at Out and About for years before we start. Now we have some support from some institutional support, but for years it was something, and we were in our 26th year, I think, at doing a community outing group called Out and About. And by the way, I can point this out. It's a free download. The book for How to Do It is a free download oh. at Teachers Pay Teachers. So okay. I, people so- who want to start their own community outing group for people who use AAC and their families. And so volunteering, and I have students who have volunteered with me who now are doing a lot of paid work so Mm -hmm. I think that's huge too I mean that's one of the advices I gave to some of my students who use AAC how can I get paid I'm like you have to volunteer so she has followed this path of doing paid presentations where she wasn't paid and now she sometimes gets paid for presentations and so it really does work
1: Mm -hmm. and then
2: um, the other thing is that collaborating piece that I've just was talking about how you, you know we do that when we collaborate, that we also do joint projects. It isn't just collaborating for information, it's collaborating for creativity, because I think it's more fun if you do that. So I've done a bunch of books on Teachers Pay Teachers, and every single one I've collaborated with other people, and it's just been so much fun. I mean, people have had such great ideas, but we've also done a lot of retreats. And so... um, I've done retreats back in the seventies and early eighties. We would do retreats where people can stay in my house for the weekend. And we did a creativity retreat around developing uh, some really fun software for the power pad. And it was just so much fun. Uh We're all working together and the outcomes were infinitely better than if the, I think there were five of us, Patty King, Debon, and I were two of them and the outcomes, had it just been me or just been Patty and I, the outcomes would have been so much less than the fact that we all, all you know, spent time. So just, you know, maybe a Saturday afternoon where you're going to have lunch and then, you know, just plan some little project that you want to do at your school or whatever mm-hmm. and just have fun with the creativity part. Just letting your mind go and being creative and doing what, what we call unleash your creativity. So. <laughs> Love
1: that. Well, you know the the model of um, doing a module online or going to a conference or that kind oh. of stuff doesn't doesn't um, have time for that. So for me, Mike, um, one of my coworkers here, we, our whole plane ride home is like that. It's like, how are we going to apply what we learned? Because if we don't apply it in the first two weeks of that conference, we're going to forget the whole thing. And our only recollection is going to be, it was great. Oh, I remember feeling so excited when I left there. I don't remember why, and I didn't apply anything, right? But I think I more. Yeah. I-
2: on done that so many times where we really met on the plane flight home. I totally agree. And it made yeah. a difference. When we did that, it, and we also collaborated as a group afterwards that we shared mm. the handouts from sessions. And then we talked about what we were going to do, what were our action items from a particular session. Mm. We know that sit and get is less, it can motivate us to... To, it can reduce burnout and that that is huge i mean i don't want to dismiss the importance of reducing uh that but but figuring out how can we make this make a difference. Mm-hmm. we go right. back. What's your action plan for making a difference? Right. And that's one of the things that that I used to always do and I need to bring that back when I do presentations. I always had an action plan that was printed out on the table and people would write down their action items because when you just write your things in the notes on page 7 and page 47 and so forth, it's not the same as when you have yeah. a one page I'm going to do this that then maybe refers back to page 17 mm-hmm. or to their app or to whatever. Mm-hmm so well
1: sometimes your amazon cart goes oh yeah so if you, exactly. if, you add, if you add books and little tidbits yep. throughout a conference yeah. to your amazon
2: cart and then then you get a
1: package yes, and you get
2: that's so well, true i've totally done that and been really happy because then you don't have to buy it right then but now you but at least you've got it you got that wish list and you can go go you remember it i love that
0: well, <laughs> and this yeah it reminds me of you know the total opposite of your presentations I mean I just have to say something that's amazing of when you present it's so interactive it helps you it helps the audience take things home right in your mind because it's not just saying it's like here now you have this bracelet on and when you hear this you raise your hand and it's like you're all in
2: and those are the things that I remember going back um, I, I absolutely think if you don't have triads, you really, it, it's, re- I mean, I just planned a session yesterday with a young woman who uses AC and uh, she and I put in, it's a one hour session, we took away a lot, lot of the, um, you know, clinical slides, uh, mm-hmm. the you know, the, the, the research slides, mm-hmm. or we have them in there, but we're not going to actually do them, we're going to skip them in the presentation, it'll be in your handout. Sure. And we have more, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do, you know, games to learn AAC. And we're gonna do, let's practice. What would you model when you watch this video? If you were mm-hmm. looking, looking on uh, positive comments or negative comments, right. what nice. do, that when mm-hmm. people try it, you're just so much more likely to do it. I completely agree. So even right. if it's a one hour talk, I right. think it can have ways to try things, you know.
0: Right, well, an hour goes so quickly. So, yes, Helen, what's something people maybe
2: don't know about you that you would want to share? Okay. I, I, so, I was thinking about that. And I, so I think it's, it's not what you're expecting me to say. But yeah, kind of, I, when I turned 65, I thought, I'm going to make myself a list of my top five priorities. Oh. And I'm going to try to see if I can make them happen over the next 15 years, because I figure that when I'm 80, I'm probably not going to be working as much. And so I'm I, <laughs> so I not again, you know, hours. I'm being intentional because I'm not always and I'm really working. That's one of my big presses um, for the last uh, few years. And so and, and these aren't in any particular order. So number 1 has been woefully not accomplished it was more international travel well yeah covid okay but yeah. but that hopefully that will come back you have time and, and i mean international travel to because i've been so fortunate to go to to um africa uh, to south africa and to go to dubai and and india doing workshops working and i mm-hmm. really want to get more workshops where i'm going and and you know helping people spread spread excitement and engagement, et cetera. So that's mm-hmm. one. Another one was I wanted, I decided that I, I really wanted to write more books and I, Teachers Pay Teachers came out and it was like, oh, this is meant to be. And so, cause I want them to be things that people can actually use that are easy, that are really clinical, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I was, i done done, um, I think zero and new ones. I posted some old ones before COVID, mm-hmm. but during the lockdown, I did one every month because, you know, oh. Yeah, lockdown, and so I really want to do more of that, and I want to be right. uh, real planful about that, and I want to, and I want my friends to push me to say, you know, that book you were talking about, Core Language Fun. When is it coming out? Because if people push me right. or collaborate with me, I'm going to do it, right? So mm-hmm. I really want to do more of that. That mm-hmm. and that's, that's practical and helpful, and that the books themselves have interactive things in them because I I want to right. model what I believe. And then another one, and this is going to be a little odd, is that I really, I cannot tell you how much I love working with individuals with Angelman, Rett, or Pitt-Hopkins syndromes. Okay. They're so under, uh, They're they're under, the expectations are way too low. They have right. so much more, unbelievably more potential than people often, often recognize. And because of that, I think they're often underperforming because people don't, presume potential and don't treat them in that, it, you know, right. don't, don't, don't help them, Give them get the, the um, opportunities and the instruction that they uh, need and deserve. And so I've just been loving, and that's gone really well for me since 65. since so just saying that, has made it happen. So I'm yeah. really, I'm really, really loving that one. And then more AAC camps. And I haven't done as good a job. And again, oh yeah, COVID. I was really doing a great job before COVID of going to AAC camps. And one of the things I want to do is work with some teams to write an AAC camp camp in a box curriculum where yeah. you can pull out the activities that work for you. So as AAC and literacy camp because I I we've done them. uh, We started doing when I was here, like in the early '90s. That we we did one that was funded. uh, That was funded by uh, the state of Arizona, and we had lots of different funding for it. It was just it was a week long camp up in Payson, and it was uh, with the staff that took care of all of the caregiving and so we as volunteers would go and could just be do the the really engaging amazing oh,
1: activities
2: AC and early literacy stuff we were uh, and it was so amazing and then the funding went away and so we started doing some things like I have if you're interested go to my website AAC Intervention and there's some free downloads to like talk about you know uh, a weekend camp for almost free like we figured out ways to do camp on a five hundred dollar budget And it was really fun going to KOA campground and, you know, camping and just having a wonderful time. But I just think that there's something about being at a camp. And especially when the families come, Mm -hmm. Sarah Rivard has done the most amazing Hannah's Hope camp you can't even imagine, where she brings in the teachers a day early. And so we do PD with the teachers Mm -hmm. about what we're going to do, the teachers and therapists. Then the families come in, and we then part of the time, some of the teachers and therapists do activities with the campers so the parents don't have to be with them and they can come to Parent PD Mm -hmm. and group activities where we're modeling the kinds of stuff that are fun to do. Where the parents and the siblings are there, we do sessions for siblings, etc. So, just this really wonderful, and it's just Thursday through. Through Sunday and people leave it after Sunday, but just so powerful. So I want to figure out a way to grow that around the globe because I think it's just so dang fun.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. We want to hear more about that and
2: and all oh, of these. And... Some
1: lofty goals, Caroline.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're there's what I, I couldn't remember. So I don't oh. know what the fifth one was. I, I don't know. Anyway. Um. Well,
0: We'll have to interview you again when you get the fifth one. And then, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, sure I have it written down somewhere, right?
1: So we are out of time, but we are so, so grateful for your time. Yeah. Clearly you're a busy woman and to take out your time for us, what is such a treat. It's so interesting to hear how far, how far the field has come and how we need to preserve the good pieces from from what we've already learned and how to push the field forward which is one of the reasons why we did this series at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm just we are so thankful for you and for your time and for your um
2: words of wisdom. So thank you for coming on today. Thanks it was a delight you guys are fabulous interviewers. Really fun. <laughs> thank you.